When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm your host, Patrick Davis. On the show today, we'll get into some NFL news. Mike McCarthy spoke to the media yesterday. They didn't give us any audio of it, but I have some quotes from me. We'll pull out a little bit of Dan Rolofsky talking about C.J. Stroud. A little bit of other news from around the NFL. And, of course, we'll talk some Jonathan Taylor in the Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day. Some NBA news. We haven't talked a lot of NBA. A uh, couple things to clean up there in the NBA some clips for me and Rob B. We'll throw in there as well. And we're going to talk, start talk to the media on Monday. We have some more clips of him talking about the defense. We talked about the offense yesterday. We're going to talk a lot more about the defense today, uh, as well as a little MLB talk and last call right here on the Sports Complex. Remember, you can join the conversation always on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line number to join the conversation and join the conversation right here on the Sports Complex. Let's get into, uh, well, first, before we even get into the NFL news, uh, I know one of the things coming out today that's getting a lot of conversation is the Swamp Kings documentary being released. Swamp Kings is now out on, uh, you know, on Netflix, and it's the documentary looking at those, the Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow years of Florida. Uh, it's a four-part documentary, and I look, I, I kind of want to watch it, and I wanted to watch it a lot more before I've heard the reviews of it, before I saw, you know, some quotes from the people who put it together. This seems to me that is going to fall into the same camp as that Johnny Manziel documentary and what so many in-title documentaries are now, which is something where a person wants to make something and they want to make something more than they want to get a story. So they don't necessarily care about, Hey, let's put together this thing and find the best pieces. Let's, you know, this isn't a four part documentary. If we do four parts, we really kind of got to gas up the Florida football program a lot more. We got to, to get, you know, the interviews we need to get, we have to give guys puff pieces kind of to get the interviews from Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. And we're not really going to get any dirt. We're not going to get the, there'll be some, but four pieces of it, you know, it was okay. During COVID, you could do it with Michael ja- with Michael Jordan. You could have a 10-part documentary because it was during COVID. No one had anything else going on. There was nothing new coming out. We had nothing else to do, so it was fine with a overlong. You probably could have done Last Dance in five, but yeah, I was fine. It's fine. You could do it enough. I, I don't want to waste this much time 
watching a puff piece for Florida programming for Florida football. I don't want to watch it. So I may try and watch some of it, but the early reviews that I have read are that basically the people that went into this this documentary to make it didn't know the real like didn't know enough about football, didn't know enough about what all the the storylines and everything going on. They just knew, hey man, everybody keeps talking about this Florida program that they won a bunch, but there's kind of they were kind of salacious, and I don't think they knew that Urban Meyer. Like, I'm not an Urban Meyer fan, and I don't want to say he's a deplorable human being, but I will say he's a human being that has allegedly done some deplorable things. That there's a lot of stories about him doing some bad things. And you can believe what you want to believe out of it. We know he's left multiple programs and then said that it was because of health issues and then was signed somewhere else a little bit later, leaving programs and, and you know, and recruits and everything else, just leaving them in the dust and moving on. We know he's done that, but a lot of coaches have done that. So it's hard to to put him up and, and get too mad about that. The health issue thing is annoying because why would you keep saying that? But we know what he did when he went to Miami, and that was a complete terrible – of our Jacksonville, sorry, when he went to Jacksonville, and it was a terrible uh, – you know, I was thinking of Nick Saban going to Miami and failing. But he, Urban Meyer goes there. We know that he – had, there was rumors of him coming to Texas when he allegedly has beef with Tom Herman, and some people will tell you that that's the reason Tom Herman really people started to want to get him out because they wanted to bring in Urban Meyer, and as soon as Tom Herman was out, he no longer had any interest in the Texas job, said he wasn't going to coach anymore, and then a few weeks later is coaching in Jacksonville. Just a lot of things, and that's not the, the half of it. When you hear what's actually going on in that Florida program, but they do a four-part series, you probably could have done it in two Maybe one, and really just gotten down to it. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'm gonna try to watch it. I'm gonna try and watch Swamp King's documentary that came out, but I do not have high hopes for documentaries at all anymore. And this is like I'm a wrestling fan, and wrestling was the king of the made-up documentaries. They were the king of you know you can make a documentary say whatever you wanted to say because everything was kind of. You know, made up anyway. So there is some truth, but we're already creating characters. So the documentary is talking about a character anyway. And so we can blur the lines between the character and the person enough. And the perfect example of this was Ultimate Warrior that they got mad at Ultimate Warrior. They wanted nothing to do with him. He didn't want to sign a contract with them. And so they made a documentary, the WWE did, uh, the, the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. And the whole documentary is people bad mouthing him and talking about how he ruined his his career and he ruined everything and what a terrible person he was. And we I mean we got him over. We got him over. He was talented. We could get him over, but he he we ruined his own life. And then he went back to the WWE. They reached the deal. And once they could make money off him again, they they hid that one. They took it away. And then a new documentary came out saying about what a great guy Ultimate Warrior was. And they were using same interviews that they had used before. And they just took different parts of the interviews and could make it. And that's how documentaries, that was how WWE used to make a lot of documentaries. But other people would make documentaries. There's two Tim Donahue documentaries. One of them is actually pretty good. The other one is a Tim Donahue puff piece. So documentaries as a whole now, I, I very, I'm, I'm very, I, 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 I take everything with a grain of salt now because you have to and you have to do your own research. But I'm not that, I'm not that 
excited for Swamp Kings. When it first, when the first reports came out about it, I was so excited for it, and everything since has made it. So I'm going to try and watch some for you guys. I'm going to try and see. If anybody else has seen it, let me know what you think on the Specs text line. But I, I have not, I've not seen anything that, to lead me to believe that it's going to be a good four-part series and a good use of my time. But enough about that. Uh, let's get into some NFL news. And we will get into the Dallas Cowboys first. We got a little bit of Cowboys, a little bit of Texans, and then some stuff from around the league. Uh, Mike McCarthy did speak to the media yesterday. We don't have audio from a lot of this. We may have some audio for tomorrow. I know Mike McCarthy might be speaking to the media again. I know that Jerry Jones is speaking to the media, I believe, as, we, as we're talking right now. Uh, so we'll try and get some of that audio for you tomorrow. But Mike McCarthy had some things to say, and it just kind of updates on some of these players when you're trying to put together what this Cowboys team is going to look like this season, who's going to get playing time, who is going to be stepping up. Uh, one of the people you look at is that first-round pick, Mozzie Smith. Because we know DeMarvion Overshawn, before the injury, looked to be the best rookie that they drafted. Deuce Vaughn looks really good week one, not as good week two. So there are some other rookies that may get some playing time. But Mozzie Smith was somebody that you thought, man, if this guy can step up with that, that Dan Quinn defense could become something really, really special. And, oh, if you now add an impact player, because Hankins, who they re-signed, is a good player. I don't know if he's an impact player. So he can do a lot of good things, but I don't know if he's going to be able to really step you up and take your game to the next level. He's not going to eat up more defenders than, than any other defensive tackle that's playing at a starting NFL level. Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy on rookie uh, defensive tackle Mozzie Smith. You look at the way he graded out there, there were some plays that he'll definitely learn from. you got to remember, he's still a first-year player. I think when you look at his overall camp, I think he's, a good, he's had a good to solid camp. This week will be another opportunity for him. He's like all the rookies. He needs to play. He needs time on task, and I would definitely put him in that category. So when we hear Mike McCarthy talk about some other rookies and some other players in camp and how he's really excited for what they do, this doesn't sound like he's too excited. This seems like Mozzie Smith missed some time due to the tendonitis in his knees, and he's maybe a little bit behind schedule. I, I think that they also knew drafting Mozzie Smith, they, you know, they, they wanted to have Hankins in there anyway. I think this was something that was not out of the realm of possibility. They believe his, his future impact is going to be much greater. But for a position where you were hoping – for a first-round pick on a defensive tackle, you were kind of hoping he could have an impact his rookie season. Maybe late in the season, but it does not appear early on Mozzie Smith is going to have too much of an impact on this Dallas Cowboys defense. On the other side of the ball, we go into the running back game. And wondering, as they start to make cuts, and I'll give you a quote from Stephen Jones here to put into perspective why we have to look at the running back. Uh, Stephen Jones said today they were at a uh, – an opening for a Miller Lite section at the Cowboys Stadium at AT&T Stadium. So this is he had to say about cuts coming up after week three of preseason. I think it's as deep a team as we've ever had. There's no question it's going to be the hardest 53 cut we've had in years. Is there a greater chance than usual of possibly trading a player before roster cuts? Someone asked Jones. He said, I don't think so. I think we've got our answers on this team. Uh, and he added they have some safeties that can help out at linebacker to kind of make up for what Overshawn was doing for them in preseason. But he's like, this is going to be a very hard season for us to cut. We're probably not going to – we don't have anybody that's a massive trade value, so we probably won't be able to trade anybody off before. We'd like to try and keep some of these guys on our practice squad, but it's going to be tough. And at running back, I think that is one of your toughest decisions of who you keep on this roster. 
because there is right now Tony Pollard, who we've not seen play yet, but that is your starter. You drafted Deuce Vaughn. It does not seem like you were going to draft him and not keep him on the roster. You can use him in special teams as a return guy, wherever else you want to use him. I think you keep Deuce Vaughn on the roster. I don't know if you keep four running backs in today's NFL, especially if two of them are not going to be able to play much. So you're, you're taking up two roster spots, and you're talking about 53-man cuts is hard. You may have to cut two of these running backs because you still have a Ronald Jones who suspended two weeks, has not played in this preseason. And Mike McCarthy said of Ronald Jones, will be challenged, uh, Ronald Jones is going to be challenged this week uh, to play. He is not playing this preseason. They want him to play in this one preseason game to, to show anything, to show a reason why they should keep Ronald Jones on this roster. I don't see any chance he's on this roster as of right now. It seems crazy to me to keep him on the roster considering the fact that he wasn't doing – I don't know who else is going to sign him. Kareem Hunt still doesn't have a team. I don't know who's looking out there for Ronald Jones saying, well, he couldn't stay on the field in Tampa Bay and he couldn't get on the field – in in Kansas City. I don't know who's looking out for him, but I don't I don't see him making that cut. And so then it comes down to, you know, if you're going to not put Luepke there as kind of a fullback, you have to go into Rico Doddle or Malik Davis. Which one of those gets cut? Cowboys Mike McCarthy had to say on Rico Doddle, I've been impressed with Rico since my first year. I love his running style. He runs angry. He pass protects with a lot of urgency. He sticks his nose in there. I think we're just getting to see Rico finally healthy. So we know now that Mike McCarthy is a fan of Rico Donald, and he hasn't said the same kind of things about Malik Davis. We've heard this multiple times about Rico Donald that he seems to be the guy that Mike McCarthy is favoriting. That doesn't mean that the Joneses are, that, that Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones are favoring him. But if I'm watching one thing in this preseason game this week, especially if Ronald Jones plays, I want to see how those running backs – which one of them really, really tries to go out there and does not let somebody take him down, plays the extra, blocks on every single play? Because I, I just cannot see out of the four running backs behind Tony Pollard, them keeping three of them on a roster. And even with that, you still got to let somebody go that we weren't expecting to have let go. One other point we'll make, uh, he talked about Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert is uh, becoming in that place where Noah Brown kind of was at last year where they're hoping – and I think a lot of this is just hope as well for the Cowboys that they want to put Jalen Tolbert into a position that will give him the confidence to succeed because they know this is a make-it-or-break-it year, and they may be, depending on where Michael Gallup is and how he plays, this may be a season of, you know, we might they might have to move on from Michael Gallup, or if you're going to try and keep Brandon Cooks, then Gallup, if he's not playing at the level where you think he can ever be a number two, you may not want him for that number anymore. And so if you can get a Tolbert for less, all those things become part of it. Uh, Mike McCarthy said yesterday when asked about Jalen Tolbert, uh, he said, yeah, I mean, the confidence just number one. It just jumps off the field. I think it's, that's really attributed to his hard work. He's had a heck of an offseason. He's cashing in on opportunities. He's going up and making plays. I like the instinct of the plays, the scramble plays, the extended plays. So I just think it shows you how much he's grown. He's on the same page as the quarterback's. So I thought he had a nice night. And this is something for a Mike McCarthy offense that I've seen a little bit of glimpses in in the preseason. And we don't know how much of the play calling we're seeing in preseason that is going to stick like the preseason in or get to regular season. 
But something that he didn't necessarily do a ton of in Green Bay, he did a little bit of, and then Matt LaFleur picked up on, and I think this may be factored in a little bit into the Mike McCarthy system. Mike McCarthy is a big fan of running backs running really good routes. When he says the scramble plays and those things, that's not normally a Mike McCarthy offense. Mike McCarthy wants you to run really good routes and be where you're supposed to be, and he likes to get players in space. One of the pieces about doing that is trying to run some rub routes, which rub routes is the nice way offenses refer to them. Uh, Pick routes is how defenses refer to them because picking is illegal. But rub routes where you kind of just could put a guy and you're not necessarily setting a complete screen, but you're coming across usually on a a slant route or a crossing route and being able to bounce off a guy who may be going deep or maybe on a curl route and getting a little bit more separation. And for what you would want out of a Jalen Tolbert is somebody who has the confidence to pull off a rub route without making it look like he's going to set a screen. So being able to run around with precision, being able to look at a quarterback and go, but also know where he's supposed to be on this field to at least make a defensive back move slightly off. And if you're trying to run an offense that's relying on everyone taking the right amount of steps and everyone knowing where they're supposed to be at and not having to have to look up, because once you look up and you're trying to make the play, it becomes a lot more obvious you're running a rub route. So you have to kind of try and keep your eye on the quarterback, make your move, keep your head down. You have to do everything to not let the referee feel like you are intentionally trying to pick off another defensive back. And that is where you need the confidence to not look like a deer in the headlights out on the field. That is something that I think if Jalen Tolbert picks up, he will see a lot more playing time. Maybe not receptions, but he'll see more playing time for the Cowboys if he can start picking up those kinds of small, nuanced things to open it up for some of the other wide receivers for the Cowboys. I think you'll see Jalen Tolbert get some more plays there. Moving over to the Houston Texans now, uh, Dan Orlovsky was talking today about C.J. Stroud and his preseason outing. And something that you're starting to hear more and more about C.J. Stroud and about how the Texans are going to have to game plan around C.J. Stroud, that he is much more of an old-school quarterback, at least right now in his career, that you are not getting a guy that a lot of young quarterbacks, you are much more worried about, is he going to pick up the ball and take off? C.J. Stroud throws the ball really well with his feet planted. And he has a lot of accuracy when he does it. Here's Dan Orlovsky on who he thinks that C.J. Stroud has some throws that look like if you want some a little bit more, just a little Kool-Aid for C.J. Stroud to feel like maybe there's some hope that he's going to have a better season than it's looked like in his first two games, here's Dan Orlovsky today on C.J. Stroud. His left, I think it's mm. the Robert Woods. If yep. you watch the ball and don't know who it came from, it looks like Joe yeah, Burrow. Burrow like, yeah, yeah. Just the, the pace of the football, how catchable yeah. it is. Also, the ball that it goes to his right and, and scrap like this is a really good slant he reads it inside out this is kind of that that grouping of pl- pass plays this it's is a beautiful throw yeah. like if you didn't know this came from cj stroud you'd say like oh that looked like joe burrow throwing that just how catchable and easy it is for guys it's effortless for him yeah. and it's effortless for the other guys i think the two things that i liked the most were he got pressured once knew the hot and got it out completed and then there was another time he starts all the way to his left and comes all the way back to his right to number four in the progression and pins it on the back's chest. Remember New England yep. game, mm-hmm. he looked a little confused. Yeah. Like, I got a lot. This game, it was like, oh, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm going through it like a typewriter. Almost. Dan, this brings me back to your pre-draft tape 
in your pre-draft tape, you talked about the way that he can efficiently locate the ball on all three levels. Yeah. And that's a little bit of what we've seen. We haven't seen him push it down the field yet, which is something I believe that they're get, they'll get to. But watching him op- operate short to immediate last week was really who C.J. Stroud is. Okay. And I think that what you said about the ball being catchable is also a huge piece. You know, like, it's two weeks, but you don't see receivers stretching for right, a right. ton. Yeah. You don't have to see them turning back to Like, those two balls are perfectly placed right here. A That's lot, easy for guys. A lot of what I pay attention to, too, is do y'all was talking about Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence and how that interaction Which was part? going on the sideline. Right. Yeah. When Trevor Lawrence was struggling, it was like, what are you doing? When you see C.J. walk off the field, they've handed them the keys to the franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. D'Amico is always empowering them, sure. telling them next play. Like, those things go a long way, too, with these yeah. guys' confidence when they're trying to get better and know that this type of pressure is going to be on them. And, and I think the player you kind of hinted him being is like that surgeon inside of 15 yeah. yards is what his career is going to be. There you go. I, I think that C.J. Stroud there, when you hear those kind of points – with not having necessarily a true deep threat receiver right now. And, you know, I don't know if Meiji could turn out to be that guy in the if they start to work that way. I don't know if Robert Woods could turn out to be that guy. I don't think Tank Dell is going to be that guy because at 5'9", it just becomes a little bit harder, even with speed, that you can put a defensive back and it's just you, you really have to drop it in. And I don't know if he has that um, the arch on his deep ball. But – in the mid-range game, to open up until you get to the point where you start to put it over the top like that, just to get some first downs, just to take this season and allow yourself to be in games. Because for the Texans this season, it is much more about allowing yourself to not be blown out. Because if you're in games, you can win games. Now, you know, how many are going to win? 20%, 30% maybe of those games that you're in. But if you like, well, Damian Pierce has a chance to break a big play and get us a touchdown. Our defense has a chance to make a game-saving play or a, a game-changing play and a turnover and a pick six, something like that, because you're in the game because you're not having so many three and outs in that mid-range game to at least move the ball down the field somewhat, to keep the ball, possession in your hands instead of trying to take deep shots and turning the ball over. You have to learn a little bit more about watching for safeties poaching up when you don't have the deep ball threat as much. You have to watch about linebackers that is just linebackers played a different speed in the NFL than college. But a guy like Tank Dell can be killer in those little mid-range, and if he's putting it where he needs to be, there is a hope that C.J. Stroud can get the Texans at least into some games. Not necessarily winning all of them this season. That's for the future. That's down the road. But he can have the Texans in the games, and that's where you're at for the Texans right now. You need to be in the games, not blown out, just in them. Over in Tampa Bay, news that no one was that surprised about. Neither one of them looked good. Uh, Baker Mayfield gets named the starter. Kyle Trask does not get the starting job. Not hugely surprising. Baker Mayfield has the reputation. He can at least, the game will not be too fast for him. He can play in the game. You're in a division with Derek Carr, Desmond Ritter, a rookie Bryce Young, which we can probably say Bryce Young has the best potential to be the best player out of this out of this. Uh, division of quarterbacks, but he's a rookie and he's not playing. They trade away DJ Moore, so he doesn't have a lot of help. So I, I, you see why they did it, but this is also part of the NFC now. The NFC, once you lose Aaron Rodgers, that pick for quarterbacks in the NFC, man. I mean, your number one quarterback is Jalen Hurts now, I assume. One really good season with Jalen Hurts. 
That's your number one quarterback in the NFC. Does anybody have a better quarterback in the NFC than Jalen Hurts right now? I mean, do you put Matt Stafford there or Kirk Cousins? I know none of y'all are going to put Dak Prescott there. Baker Mayfield's a top – he could be a top five quarterback in the in the NFC if he plays hard enough. If he plays well, he's got Chris Godwin there. He's got Mike Evans there. Baker Mayfield could be a top five NFC quarterback if that offense runs smoothly enough. That's a weird thing to say because he's got run out of Carolina. He's got, you know, they didn't want to keep him in the Rams when Stafford was healthy. Cleveland wanted him out of there. But he still could be. You know, if he's got good receivers now. You can't blame him for that. Finally, last thing we'll get to. I have another piece of audio. We may play it a little bit later in the show. From Pete Carroll, the Richard Sherman podcast. It's just a fun old school. Our fun from Super Bowl 49 in that play. He breaks it down. And it won't it won't explain it anymore of why they did it because it's still he shouldn't have done it, but it's a little bit more explained. But I'll play that in a little bit. Jonathan Taylor, the news came out yesterday that the Colts are allowing Jonathan Taylor to look for a contract, uh, look for a trade. He is upset after everyone realized that rookie that running backs no longer have any value. He wanted to try and get a new contract. Jim Irsay said some dumb things about well, if I die tomorrow, and if you're the end, then there's no. And then running backs, and you're no longer in the NFL, you get hurt, then then none of us will be alive, and the NFL keeps going on. I <laughs> it, it was a it's a weird thing that Jim Irsay said. And it's a weird thing to say when all you have to do is just go, just pretend that you're gonna pay him. Just pretend that you you're not gonna screw him over in 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 nine months, which you know you are, but just pretend you're not. And he couldn't even do that. He had to open his mouth. So now Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to play with Jim Irsay. So the, the Colts now have gone out and done the old NFL play. You can go search, seek a trade. You can go seek a trade. What do we want from you? At least a first-round pick. At least a first-round pick. If not a first, four or five picks. We want something big. We want a huge return for a guy that we do not feel is worth a $10 million contract. We don't want to pay him. We do not feel that running backs are worth this amount of money, but you should give us a first-round pick for him, is what the Colts are saying, which is the reality of the Colts don't want to trade him. They want to get their rookie contract. They want to get their rookie running back money, which is what everybody wants. You want to draft a rookie, have him play out his contract, say thank you for your service, and or maybe franchise tag him for a year, and say thank you for your service, let him go his way, draft another running back, and do it again. That's what every NFL team, that's the mold, that's what you want to do. And Jonathan Taylor, if should now, if he wants to, he's and he's only making like five million dollars this year. So not only does Jonathan Taylor have to go out and try and find a trade partner who's willing to give up a first round pick for a running back, which no one is, he then has to get them to pay him a long term contract, which no one is going to do. The Cowboys name has come up in this a few times. Jerry Jones has said today, I uh, like our running backs, we're probably they're, they're not going to do it. They're not giving up a first-round pick. They're not going to give up all that. I think if Jonathan Taylor was coming at them for a fifth-round pick, they would be one of the more likely teams to wait until the next season and maybe offer him or Pollard a contract, depending on what Tony Pollard does. But I think with Tony Pollard and the situation they're in, they need a running back. They don't need to get another guy who wants to make double-digit money, double-digit millions next year, as is Tony Pollard. So the Cowboys don't make sense in the fact of how much money they're already spending. I know they do. If It would help them. They'd be a much better team with him, 
But to give up a first-round pick to hope it works out with Mike McCarthy as your offensive coordinator and head coach and to hope that everything falls into place seems, seems risky. It seems risky. But it does want to take me to today's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. So when you look at Jonathan Taylor and the trade value for Jonathan Taylor, which we know is not a first-round pick or a, a plethora of picks, it's not that. The poll today, you can join this, uh, the conversation. 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. What upcoming free agent running back would you trade the most for? So out of the free agent running backs, if you were to say, hey, we got to get somebody, if you're Dallas or if, if you're Dallas and Tony Pollard goes down, or you're the 49ers and Christian McCaffrey goes down, or you're whatever team that feels like you're going for it and you don't have a running back and you got to make a trade. And there is a list of good free re, running backs that will be a free agent at the end of this year. So you know I, this is somebody I can trade for, and either and they're going to want to get a contract, they're going to want to get an extension, or I'm going to have to tell them it's a rental for one year and then you go on your way. Here, I'm going to give you some names. Derrick Henry. Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, and Jonathan Taylor. All right now would be free agents next season. Now we know Jonathan Taylor will probably be franchise tagged. Uh, Austin Eckler may get franchise tagged. But will they show up if they do? I don't know. But that's those guys may end up getting franchise tagged. Uh, Austin Eckler had to get a, a, a reviewed, a revised deal to even come back this season. But what upcoming free agent running back – if you had to make, if you wanted to make a trade for a free agent running, a free agent to be running back in the NFL, which one of those upcoming free agent running backs would you trade the most for? Now, the most you may trade is still a third round pick, but which one of these, knowing if you sign Josh Jacobs, you sign uh, Jonathan Taylor, you got to pay him. You sign Derrick Henry, you probably don't have to pay him as much. Saquon Barkley got to pay at least still one year contract. That's what he's on now. Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor. There's other ones. DeAndre Swift is there. Or Kenneth Walker is one. There's a lot of running backs that are going to be in this class. Another reason why the value is driven down and down. Let us know on the Specs text line. 512-337-3776 is how you join the conversation. We come back. A little bit of NBA news right here on the Horn. 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Thank you. 
back on the sports complex here on the horn on a Tuesday. And uh, we're playing songs about waiting this week is our theme of the week for our music. And last week was about rain. We did a rain dance all week. And finally, we got 10 to 15 minutes, depending on where you're at. We got a decent amount up here at the station. So I hope everybody got to enjoy a little bit of rain. I know that our waiting ends this weekend for football that actually matters. You get a Notre Dame game and a USC game this weekend. They're not. They're going to be blowouts, but you get to see games that matter. Football, that starters playing, it's going to happen this weekend. We're just playing songs, waiting until we get there, and then waiting for the Rice game, and then really a lot of people waiting for that Alabama game. But we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there together. What's even further away is the NBA season, and so there hasn't been a lot of news since NBA kind of shut down and everybody went into their vacations. There hasn't been a ton. FIBA does start, I believe, Saturday morning uh, is when you can watch the FIBA World Cup. Uh, the games that actually are part of the FIBA World Cup, uh, you can watch those Saturday morning. All the games seem to be in morning games, so you can check them out there. But there was a little bit more news that came out on James Harden today and his saga that he is playing out in the media, and we know James Harden is a one of the biggest divas in all professional sports, he has gotten his way in Houston. Uh, Kevin McHale came out and talked about how when he was mad at Kevin McHale, he was a head coach of the Rockets, and he didn't like what he was play calling was, and he sat him down the fourth quarter game. He came back the next season overweight and basically sandbagged it until Kevin McHale got fired and then started playing better, which a lot of people have accused him of, of sandbagging it and gaining weight and using his weight to control what he wants to do. But uh, James Harden, if you have not kept up with the drama so far with the, the Philadelphia 76ers, James Harden uh, opted into the last year of his contract. A lot of people thought that when he took a lesser amount of money to sign with the 76ers, that it was going to be a one-year contract. He was going to opt out and then try and get a max deal. That didn't happen. Uh, so then he opted into the contract and immediately requested a trade. That did not happen either. And so when he was uh, doing a tour of Asia, this is what he had to say about Daryl Morey. Oh, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never get a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never get a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. <laughs> That's the best part. Is he said it once, and then realized people were still pulling out their cameras to record. And so he said it again because he knew you got to go viral. I did a thing once years ago where I was wearing a president's mask. I won't say which one to not be political. And it was with a group of friends that were the band. And I walked out and, and they were going to do this thing where I, you know, where I came out and then they were playing the presidential march and then they played gunshots and then I hit the ground and then. They did a whole song while they're standing on top of me. We did this whole thing, and all of it was was to try and go viral. And this is a, enough years ago that I was still a young man. I was like, oh, yeah, man, it'll be great. We'll go viral. And I had a mask on. No one was like I was. And uh, we did it, and it was the one thing that nobody filmed. Not, not one person had it, and it was a complete waste of time and money to try and do. But that was what Darryl, that's uh, James Harden when he was trying to – 
uh, get people riled up, saying, I will never play for Daryl Morey again. So then he has to go back, and and that didn't get enough of anybody's attention. So now he does an interview in Houston, and they ask him uh, what is what his relationship is with the 76ers, and here's James Harden on that clip. Do you have an open line of communication with, with the 76ers, and how much patience do you need to have to, to let this play out? I'm just, I'm, I've been patient all summer, so... Uh, for me, it's just uh, focus on what I can control, and that's uh, you know working out, staying in shape, and uh, getting ready for a good season. Too late to repair the relationship? Uh, I think so. So too late to repair the relationship is now what he has said. So he is not happy with he's not happy with Daryl Morey, and then the NBA and other teams start to freak out. And they go, wait a minute, if he's saying he's a liar and the relationships are beyond repair, did they make a under the deal table? That he was going to re-sign him to a max deal, and then he he backed out of that. Is that what is that what happened? So the NBA launched an investigation, and it concludes. I don't know if it's fully concluded, but the biggest first piece taken out of it was that James Harden did not say, "No, I wasn't. I'm not calling him a liar because he told me he was going to pay me a big contract." And then I didn't do that. It wasn't the the, the Timberwolves with with Joe Smith back when ruining the Kevin Garnett years of the Timberwolves. They got other problems in Minnesota. But it wasn't that. He says, when I talked to him about they weren't going to give me the right amount of money, and but I still want to make some. Daryl Morey, my friend, basically told me, well, if you, if you just opt in, you'll be able to make some money still, and we'll trade you. If you don't want to be here, we'll trade you. And I'm sure that Daryl Morey said in a way, of once we get into the season, if things aren't going the way you want, we'll trade you. And the way James Harden heard it was, if you opt in, we will trade you tomorrow to wherever you want to go. So this was, so this was what he, end, he ended up saying was the problem, which then forces uh, the NBA to fine him, I believe, $100,000 to get mad at him because they're really trying to fight off uh, the player empowerment era of the NBA, and they're trying to fight off players now demanding to not only be traded but demanding to be traded to whatever team they want to go to and they demand the provisions of the trade they're trying to get out of that and if you're wondering why the NBA now after all these years is starting to fight back on that my best guess is expansion is that they want to expand most likely to Seattle and Las Vegas within the next five to ten years and add two more expansion teams and they know that once this happens, that those teams are going to take a little while to build and rookies are going to go there and they're going to play three or four years in a contract and say, this team is not building up fast enough and I want to be a star and I, you, I need to be traded and I want to be traded here. Or players are going to sign there and go take their money and then realize that this, it's not what they wanted to be in and they're going to want out. Or somebody's going to say, you know what, I, they have money now and I can go over and, and play in Vegas, where I'd rather play. So trade me to Vegas. And I think they know that these franchises and people buying into them are more worried about player empowerment when they're trying to sell two new owners to come in and spend a ton of money and they need to get these billionaires. Some of these billionaires don't like the way that the NBA looks when players demand to be out of teams that don't necessarily spend a ton of money. And we know that some of these owners may not. Not everybody's Matt Ishbia who wants to throw his money around right out of the gate. He took advantage of it. That's one of the reasons he bought it is because he was all for player empowerment. Come play for me. I'll come get you. 
So I think one of the major issues that the NBA is looking at is expansion. So they're trying to tamp down the Dame Lillard deal. They're trying to tamp down the James Harden deal. Both those will probably still happen. But the NBA is trying to make it seem as if the, the, there's a little bit more of a level playing field between GMs and players. Now, Daryl Morey has brought this upon himself. He has brought this upon himself completely because Daryl Morey is a guy who has never once cared about player chemistry. Not once. He doesn't care about anything but what you can do on the court. And so he has built team after team with, with a lot of talent, but not enough to put it all together. And that is the problem that Daryl Morey has in his teams. And as much as people want to say he's a genius, a lot of these trades he pulls off are because people don't want to work with the player that he is getting the better deal for. A lot of these deals are things where you get a James Harden and and Oklahoma City says, sure, look, we're not getting much else for him. And we know what you're getting. He was here. We saw him pouting in the corner when people were talking to Russell Westbrook instead of him, and when people were talking to Kevin Durant instead of him, and we paid Serge Ibaka, we watched what he did and said, we'd prefer not to have Kevin Martin. That was probably a bad deal. But we're okay trading James Harden right now. And that was also, if you ever want to go back and look into the history of the the, the big year of expansion and the salary cap for the NBA and that the, the – that's an insane story for the Thunder that if they would have realized they could have held on for another year, there wouldn't have been a luxury tax and they could have paid all three guys to stay there and Serge Ibaka and probably had a really good team for, for several years to come. But because they didn't, that destroyed their franchise because they traded away James Harden and then the Golden State Warriors were able to use the money from the new jump in the salary cap that basically let every single team have room for a max player, sign Kevin Durant away from them. It's a crazy story of missed miss. miss Miss luck and uh, and miss time miss timing for the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, but going back to James Harden, that's how Daryl Morey can get a guy like that. How does he pull off a trade for getting for Ben Simmons and James Harden? People know what the deal is. People know that you're getting a guy that even though he can play, you have a year of this and then something else. And you know what he's got now. He's got Joel Embiid, and he hasn't put enough people around him to be good role models, and he continued to put people around him that were looking out for themselves instead of looking out for the team. And now if you ask GMs and you ask media people who the next player is who's going to demand a trade, most people, if you say the, the, the front runner right now, it's Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is the front runner to be the next player to demand a trade. And Philadelphia, after the whole process, and everything that they went through, and then thinking, oh, no, it was a coach, Brett Brown, we got to get him out, and then get the GM out, and then you bring in Daryl Morey, and Daryl Morey comes into this team and gets him close, but they don't bring in glue. They bring in P.J. Tucker, but not a P.J. Tucker that you don't have enough pieces around P.J. Tucker. That was the best deal they made, and it ends up not ever coming together. You never brought in a mentor for Joel Embiid to help him take that next step, whether it's even a coach or anybody. We, we saw with Dwight Howard that Orlando tried to hire three or four former big men to come in and help Dwight Howard to be a mentor to understand this is what it takes to be the best big man in the league. People get that. And Daryl Morey never went out of his way to make sure that this team could grow as people, and that is why this team is blowing up right now. And for James Harden... 
I think more fines are on the way because he is going to continue to do crazy things, and he may he may end up in Asia. He knows the money's there, and if he has to hold out of the NBA, if he has to hold out to try and get what he wants, there's a chance. There's a chance that he will decide to take his take his ball and go home or go to Asia and say, I'm going to make a bunch of money. I sold 10,000 bottles of my wine in, in five minutes. I'm going to go over there and be the best player in Asia for a while until I realize I don't like it there either, and then I'll come back and you'll put me in the Hall of Fame and everything will be great. But I'll go take a few million dollars over there too, and I get to prove my point that I'm the guy and I'll get to be the star. Dwight Howard's loving it over there. So I would not surprise me if James Harden, at least for part of next season, isn't in the NBA. It would not surprise me completely because he just he's that guy. He's been that locker room guy for years. And people thought that it was somebody else, and people have put it on everybody else's shoulders. It's James Harden, and it's Daryl Morey, and they are not good together because they both think that they're the smartest guy in the room, and they both think they're going to get their way. And it has finally come to a massive head. And if I'm Philadelphia, I'm getting rid of both of them. And I'm trying to move ahead. Because I don't have the same faith in Daryl Morey that a lot of people do. He makes some deals, but he has not come close to winning a ring other than the one Houston Rockets here where there's injuries and they say they're going to win it. I still don't think they do. But other than that, he's he he's never really – like Philadelphia, he hasn't got them close. Not at all. Couple other things in the NBA before we go to break. Uh, Dame Lillard talk still completely dead. Dallas Mavericks are uh, the Javel McGee mis- experiment in Dallas, where they took Javel McGee instead of uh, trying to trade for somebody else, and they and then they didn't want to include Javel McGee in the DeAndre Ayton trade or whatever it was, or they wanted to put him in the DeAndre Ayton trade. He's getting waived. Uh, they're going to keep Markeith Morris. And a shout out to Texas women's basketball. They have announced the UConn game at the Moody Center December 3rd is going to be on ABC. That is going to be awesome. I may have to go and buy a ticket for this as well. Now that I'm not working those games all the time, I may go buy myself a ticket. It is going to be a really fun atmosphere to see Texas women's basketball. Uh, I know Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford were with the team today, so that's cool. And I'm not always Vic Schaefer's biggest fan. There's some things he does in coaching that are not my style, but i got to give the guy credit. He is getting this program to another point and so props to him for getting this team uh, the exposure to be able to be on national television and have an ABC game December 3rd against UConn. Buy those tickets, Texas fans. Sell out that out. Show that the University of Texas has the best fans. That is going to be an awesome game. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get back to the Patrick's Big Fat Poll today. What co- upcoming free agent What upcoming free agent running back would you trade the most for? Some names, Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, um, among others – are all up there. 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. Join the conversation there. We'll be right back with more here on the Sports Complex on the Horn. 1019 and 1260. The Horn app and at hornfm.com. The Sports Complex afternoons 5 to 7 on the Horn.
Back on the sports complex on the horn, playing some songs about waiting today. Playing them all week long. Waiting for some real football to start. I'm being very excited. We get real college football coming back this weekend. And we get Texas football and next weekend. And then the weekend after that, we get some NFL football. And I'm very excited about all of that coming back to us. Uh, we've been asking you on the Specs text line to join the conversation. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. Join the conversation there. We've asked you about Patrick's Big Fat Poll today. What is upcoming free agent running back would you trade the most for? Because Jonathan Taylor, of course, has been given permission to seek a trade for the Colts. No one is going to give up a first-round pick or a plethora of picks for Jonathan uh, for Jonathan Taylor. It's just not going to happen. Plus, give him a big contract. Uh, I think when they asked uh, different GMs and executives from around the league, most people were saying, at most, you're going to get a third-round pick. Some people said, maybe you get a second-round pick for him if he doesn't demand the biggest contract. And if, if he's willing to come play for you for a season for a second and you can then franchise tag him or figure some out after the season, there's some more teams that figure a second maybe in there. But that's that's if he's willing to work with you. If he's not willing to work with you and he wants a four-year, you know, $60 million contract, he's going to get – He's he, there's very few teams. So we've got a couple people chiming in. Derrick Henry gets a few. Derrick Henry is an interesting one because Derrick Henry is the older running back, but you also feel that I you may be able to keep Derrick Henry on a roster. If you give up you know, a third-round pick for Derrick Henry right now, you may be able to keep him on your roster on one-year deals or on a, a three-year you know, $15 million deal, $16 million that he just wants to guarantee money, and you bring in a hard back that you can run in a platoon with, I don't know, a Tony Pollard, and you could put that off. It's interesting because with Josh Jacobs, with Tony Pollard, with Saquon Barkley, with Austin Eckler, with Jonathan Taylor, you know all these guys want long-term deals. That's what they'd really prefer to have. Derrick Henry is the outlier of a back that still looked good, and he may not be able to play every down anymore. He may not be able to finish. He's probably going to miss some games throughout the season for you. But if you put him in a platoon, is he worth – Five to six million dollars a year to be a really, really good back and give you that insurance of if you can get in the playoffs. Man, can you imagine having Tony Pollard, Deuce Vaughn, and Derrick Henry going to the playoffs if you're the Cowboys? Could you imagine that? And I don't know what the price. I'm sure that that Tennessee wants a second or a first or something else for Derrick Henry, and I don't know what he's willing to sign for either. So I can't. You can't say that it's a perfect world and all those things will happen. But you can join the conversation, 512-337-3776. Anything you want to talk about, send it on the Specs text line there, and we'll come back. T- second hour, Sports Complex, some sound from Sark from his press conference yesterday. We're going to talk about some defense here at Texas football, and uh, they look better in the scrimmage than offense, so we can get into some positives about uh, Texas defense and uh, maybe a little bit of worries. We'll get into that. Coming back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and at hornfm.com.